My name is Kaylee Garris. I am 18 years old. I grew up with my grandparents and my mom. My dad wasn't really in my life um, because he had had drinking problems and drug and alcohol issues. And then once I got to like middle school and stuff, I remember just kind of struggling with like a lot of bullying and I was having a lot of problems with feeling the need of male attention um, and I feel like it kind of came from the fact that I didn't have my dad in my life from such a young age. From there I, I got into a lot of bad stuff. Everybody was bullying me because of this and so we moved down here and um, I started high school at Timberline. It was all good at the beginning and then I kind of fell back into that hole of seeking male attention again and at one point I was like mom I can't do this anymore. I fell into like a big hole of just like depression. I didn't want to live anymore. Um, I was like, mom, I need to like transfer schools or something because the bullying got so bad. And so I started doing Freedom Session not long after that. And Freedom Session was just amazing. I also recommended it to my mom as well. And um, she was like, yeah, I'll hop on board with you. So we both did it and I've never felt like so much healing and I've got so close to God through this experience and um, one of the weeks was like um, you know forgiving others for what they had done and forgiving ourselves for what we had done God you know he does forgive us for those sins that we make and um, like I do need to forgive myself for you know all of those things that I had done with males and you know seeking all of that male attention like even worshiping now, like I used to feel like kind of almost judged like in churches and stuff, like I couldn't just be myself. And now I just feel like, you know, I can be myself and like I actually um, can worship and just feel close to God and it's just like me and Him. Now I am just going through life with, with God and so I'm really loving that. Kaylee, thank you for sharing. How many have had to forgive yourself before? There is a whole powerful teaching and understanding. I think I'm still learning and growing in that area. So thank you for challenging us with that, Kaylee. And I just, man, it's so cool that you get to start again and you don't have to feel any guilt or shame and you get to grow in the Lord no matter where you've been or what your past is. God's more concerned about your future than your past. Just testing to see if anybody says amen in this church anywhere, anywhere. I just... So um, awesome. It's good to see you here today. This is the uh, first Sunday of fall, and it's going to be 80 degrees. Come on, that's something to be thankful for too, right? Some of you guys are so excited about fall. I'll be excited about fall next week. I want one more just week of summer, all right? Listen, I want to remind you of something. It came to my mind that during the last few years, a lot of things seemed like they changed, right? But the reality is this, that the world may have changed, but the mission of God has not changed and never will change. Like the Bible is true, it's the word of God. Heaven is still heaven and hell is still hell. And God is on the throne, his promises are true. The devil is a liar and faith is a victory and nothing has changed that. My beliefs are the same as they were before. Sometimes people feel like, man, my foundation has been rocked, it's been changed, it's been challenged, there's disunity, there's disruption, we get all of that. But at the end of the day, God is on the throne, his promises are true, the devil is a liar and faith is the victory, amen? And I hold on to that anchor in the Lord during uh, crazy times in our world. 
Um, I said something recently at our pastor's retreat, and it arrested myself when I said it. I said to our team, this is the first time in the history of our church that serving in ministry, that volunteerism is not a strength. And it took me back when I said it. Like, there's just not enough people not serving in ministry to, to really make the whole church go. Now, what I learned from talking to other pastors is this is the same in every local church everywhere. Like, there's people that were like, well, I was serving in ministry, but then COVID happened and I never re-engaged. Or, well, I would serve in ministry, but I do church online now, so I really can't do that. And whatever the reason, whatever is going on, and by the way, during COVID, during the last couple of years, the amount of people changing from one church to the other doubled or tripled. So all those people, maybe some of you or them are going, well, I just haven't found my, my place of service here in my new church. But that affects the church in great ways. So let me remind you of this. If everyone gets on board with God's mission, the church will be healthy and strong. Over the next seven weeks, we have kind of an airplane travel theme here. Um, I'm not just standing here next to suitcases for no reason. But if everyone gets on board with God's mission, the church will be healthy and strong. The big C church will be healthy and strong. So listen, uh, the challenge is, listen, uh, to be a person of faith. Somebody said, I want to fly. I I just don't want to get on the plane. And the same is true. Well, I want to have faith, but I just don't want to trust God for what I cannot see. There's something about serving God, trusting God, living for the Lord uh, during the times where you can't see it or feel it or understand it, but you just commit and you do it. So um, this is a great season in our church. We're talking about the mission of God, and we understand that God's mission is critical. By the way, God is on a mission in Lacey, Olympia, Tumwater all the time, and most of the time, I'm on that mission with him. And I hope you get up in the morning and go, I have significance, I have purpose, God created me. Uh, for a purpose in my life. And he has something he wants me to do with, with my life. That's true for all of us. So don't miss that, all right? Jesus has called us to follow after him. He's entrusted us with the mission of God to live our lives every day on mission. We give away a huge percentage of our money. Why do we do that? Because of the mission of God. We're living on mission. Uh, we participate in gatherings and groups and one-on-one conversations with faith and encouragement. We've committed to serve the church, serve the city, go on mission trips, help hurting people, uh, bless the poor, share our food, be there in times of struggle and tragedy. Why? Because we are on the mission from God. We are living our lives in a missional way. God is on the move and he wants to use you. So this series today starts seven weeks and we're calling it Now Boarding. Because you really got to kind of, at one point, you got to kind of step on the plane and say, I'm not, just, I'm not just watching other people's faith fly. I'm not just idling on the runway. But my faith is taking off. Wherever God's going, I'm going with him. So that's what we're talking about this week. If you have your Bible, you can be in Matthew chapter 16. And remember, there's a lot of details uh, when it comes to traveling. How many are good travelers? Let me just see your hands. You're good at traveling. Yeah, about half the crowd says they're good at that. Listen, think of some of the details. Your destination's got to be picked. You got to find your flight, your hotel, your Airbnb, uh, other transportation around your flight. You got to time it all out. You got to try to save money. You got to pack. You got to get the ride to the airport. You got to pay to park at the airport. You have to have your ID and go through security and carry on bags and all those things. And on and on that list goes. There's a lot of details. And I'm not good at details and I'm really not a great traveler, but I've learned a couple things. Number one, I've learned this I've learned I'd rather travel with others than by myself. Oh man, if you, listen, I, I love alone time as much as anybody else. 
but when I'm traveling, I want a traveling buddy with me, right? I want some good traveling companions. I do not want to travel alone. Um, I, have you ever been sick in a foreign country or been sick on an airplane by yourself? It's ugly. I mean, you want somebody with you who might have a medication they can help you with or some encouragement. Maybe you've gotten lost before. I would much rather get lost with a team of people. They must all be kind of dumb, right? I mean, like... <laughs> Then be by myself. There's just something about traveling with others. Look, when you look out that airplane, you see Mount Rainier, you see that sunset. When you travel someplace exotic and tropical, you don't want to stand there and go, I wish somebody was here to enjoy this with. Like, there's just something good about traveling with others. And it's so important. It's the same with faith. Listen, uh, find your tribe. Get with some people who share your goals and add value to one another. There's something good about traveling this life together with others. By the way, have you ever traveled with a difficult traveling companion? Lord, here we are in customs heading back from this mission trip. Just let Tom get stuck here because we're ready to go on without him, all right? We're accomplishing the mission of God, and we're doing it together as a church. Uh, I've learned another thing. I've learned that I'm the kind of guy that wants to get on the plane last, I mean, my wife is, is the person that's like, when they start calling, like, for seating, like, she's like, yeah, let's get on. Let's put our bag where it's supposed to go. Let's make sure we get our seats. And I'm like, eh, if there's no room to put our bags, we'll just hold them on our laps. Because I just can't stand sitting still. I don't sit still well. Anybody like me? Like, when you're stuck on the tarmac and they go, sorry, there's 17 planes leaving before us. Or you land the plane and, and they make you sit there for another hour. Anybody sat on a plane for an hour? You just want to kill somebody. And... and <laughs> Is that too honest in church? And like the reason they make you sit there and wear a seatbelt is, is because of people like me. Because when I'm told to sit still in a tin can with like a couple hundred people, I'm like a preschooler who's been given Skittles and Red Bull. Like I just don't do it. It's so hard to do that, right? To sit still. So I've learned some things about how I travel differently from other people. Uh, I just don't sit still well. Listen, uh, your faith needs to get off the runway. It's so easy to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm on the plane of faith. I'm just, I'm just not taking any chances. I'm just not, I'm not really going anywhere. The plane hasn't really taken off, but I, I, I believe. Your faith needs to be exercised. Whatever you do, don't allow your faith to be grounded. Like when that plane sits there idling with all that fuel, it's just not going anywhere. It's just sucking up energy. So I'm going to challenge you with this. Let faith take flight in your life. Don't be around faith. Don't idle in your faith. Like, let your faith take flight. Do something with the faith that you have. Take some risk. Have some courage. Trust God when you can't see God. Trust his voice anyway. And that's not easy to do, but it's so important. So boarding an airplane is kind of like boarding uh, your faith. You can't fly if you don't get off the ground. You've got to get on board if you want to do that. Let me just take a quick survey. Uh, we'll just talk for a moment. Like the takeoff of a flight. Some of you have never been on an airplane, but most of you have. The takeoff um, versus like the flight itself versus the landing. What would your favorite part be of those three things? How many say, I enjoy the takeoff? The takeoff is cool. All right. How many say, I enjoy the flight itself and looking out the window and all that stuff? All right. How many say, I love the landing? It's the same as last service. There's more people like the landing than anything else. Isn't the landing the scary part? <sighs> the wheels are all loud and everything. There's a few of you that are like, you, you are scared of flying. You're going to find another church for the next seven weeks. You're just like, hey, Pastor, don't talk about you know, landing, right? The takeoff 
is the decision to follow Jesus. It's the greatest decision that you can make. So Jesus said it like this, Matthew chapter 16, if you have your Bible with you, I believe we're going to start in verse 24. This is what Jesus says. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, uh, you must give up your own way, ouch, take up your cross, double ouch, and follow me. What a powerful statement for Jesus to make to his followers. Well, I, I want to be a Jesus person. I just don't want to give up my own way. I like having my own way. Okay, okay, I'll give up my own way. Wait, wait, wait a minute. You take up your cross. That sounds painful. I'm not sure I want that. It's going to cost me. There's going to be sacrifice in following Jesus. Can I just have my own life and sprinkle a little Jesus dust on it? We'll call it good. That's faith, right? No, Jesus is this challenge to you. Listen, if you're really going to follow me, like, don't just go to church and be nice. If you're really going to follow me, man, you're, this is going to be the real deal. You're, you're going to have to give up your own way. You're going to have to sacrifice. You're going to have to do things that stretch you and scare you. This is called faith. You have to take up your cross. There's going to be times that it costs you to follow me. But it's worth it. It's always worth it. Verse 25, if you try to hang on to your life, Jesus says, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. If you'll give up your life, if you'll admit, I'm not the creator, I'm not the savior, I don't understand anything. There is one higher than me, and I trust him for my life. If you give up your life for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. And then verse 26, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world yet lose your soul? Like, what does it profit a man, Jesus says, if you gain the whole world yet lose your soul? Do you know there's a ton of people in the world of Hollywood that have decided, I don't like this life anymore. Like, every week I read about somebody who's just like, you know what? I moved to Hollywood. They told me there was glitz and glamour and fame and money and prestige, and it looked like that. But now everybody's on drugs. Now people are ending up in jail. Now people are ending up abused, and they're getting run through the machine. And it's not where I want to live my life. How many singers, how many artists and actors have we found dead when they went to Hollywood? They went with such joy in their lives and they ended up just going through the machine and ending up, ending up dead. Listen, you were created for more than this world can offer. You can entertain yourself to death. You can have Jeff Bezos' money and times it by Bill Gates' money. It's not going to change your soul. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world, yet lose his very soul? You were created for more. So let's talk about Matthew real quick. Um, if you have your Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 9. And Matthew, some of you know his name was Levi. And he's a tax collector. Like he's a Jewish person who's hired by the Romans to tax his brothers and sisters and tax them very uh, well. In fact, he gets to take a little bit for himself as a tax collector, and he gets to take a ton of their money for Rome. And everybody hates Rome. The, all, the, all the Jewish people, they despise that Rome took their money, oversaw their worship. And so a tax collector, of course, is not a light guy. And Matthew, or Levi, is a tax collector. And Jesus comes to him, and he calls him. Verse 9 of Matthew chapter 9 says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Come get on the plane of faith with me, Jesus says. And if you're looking at it one time, like, well, he just did, never met Jesus. Matthew has seen Jesus. He, he's seen what he's up to. He's seen the, 
the significance. He's seen the healings, the teachings, the anointings, the purpose. And he's sitting there collecting money. Often friendless from his own people, but rich. And he's finding his life so empty in comparison to some of these poor people who are following Jesus. And they have joy. And they have friends. And they have a purpose every day in their lives. And Jesus comes by and says, Matthew, it's time. Will you stop living for money? Will you lose your life with me and thus find it? Will you take up your cross? Will you even embrace sacrifice and be my disciple? Jesus recognized it was a challenge moment in Matthew's life. Will you follow me? Matthew had the courage to follow Jesus. Imagine that moment leaving behind. The, the tax collector's booth and all the, all the money that he had, anything he wanted to buy, he could. And he realized living the full life with God was better than the life he carved out for himself. He wanted the significant adventure of serving Jesus. Let me remind you of this. There's a lot of people who call themselves Christ followers or Christians that are, their life is not exciting, and it's easy to live halfway in faith. But man, when you're living fullness of faith, that's not a boring life. That's an adventurous life of faith. Make sure that's you, that you're living fully for the Lord in your life. He was ready. He walked away from his version of a successful life, and he embraced success in Jesus' eyes. Jesus wasn't just inviting him. He was calling him, come out from that life. Come out from that world. Be different. Come up to a life of significance. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home to be his dinner guest along with other tax collectors and other disreputable sinners, as opposed to the reputable sinners. I love this because I want to think about Peter, James, John, and some of the guys, and like, hey, we don't hang out with tax collectors. We don't touch them. We certainly don't go in their homes. They're the bad guys, the evil guys. We're the good guys, right? And Matthew's invited Jesus and his disciples to be his guest at his home along with other tax collectors. So it's not just going to be Matthew there, but he's going to bring some of his sinful friends with him. And you can almost see them go like, Jesus isn't really going to go, is he? If we go, are people going to find out that we went? How can we do this? Like, those, those are sinful people, and we're trying not to be sinful people. Go ahead, and uh, I think we go to the next verse. Matthew invites these friends. Oh, no, I got the next line. It says, here's the question. Will Jesus come? Will Jesus go to the party? I mean, they were not really sure if he was going to go or not. Like he went to a wedding in Cana, but this is kind of like, Jesus, you're really going to go to a tax collector's house? You're going to go hang out with those people? And maybe for Matthew, it's like, well, he, he cared enough to call me, then maybe he cares enough for my friends as well. I want to remind you of something. I think it's hard for us to understand, but in our world, acceptance does not equal approval. So sometimes we have a friend or someone we spend time with, and that doesn't mean we approve of everything in their life. Does that make sense? Every time a pastor quotes a movie, it doesn't mean he's endorsing the whole movie for all of your children, okay? You just understand that. Sometimes in the world today, we're like, well, I, I can't, like, you know, accept uh, you or be in your presence because that might somehow make people think that I agree with your lifestyle. Listen, we can accept humans for who they are, and we can be salt and light wherever we are, amen? And sometimes I think we're like, well, that means I approve. It doesn't necessarily mean that at all. Jesus accepted their presence at a party in his honor. That doesn't mean he approved of every way they lived their lives. God loves you just the way you are, tax collector, sinner, prostitute, or you or me. But he loves us too much to leave us the way we are. And I love that about him. 
And the, the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the time said, when they saw this, uh, Matthew says, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? I love that seventh grade term there, you're scum. And I hope, church, that when you read this, and you see the religious people looking over the wall going, why, why would Jesus, if he's so great, why would he eat with these people? Wouldn't he know the sinfulness of their lives? Listen, no matter how long you serve the Lord, if you've been serving the Lord for six or seven decades, I hope you never see yourself as the religious insider, but I hope, like me, you always see yourself as this person. Lord, I, I, I'm a sinner. I don't deserve to be in your presence. I'm very aware of my own sinfulness. Lord, you love me even with all my ugliness. Lord, I'm not on the inside. I'm on the outside. I'm a sinner, but you forgive me and change me. That's how I see myself. God is so incredible that you love someone even like me. Verse 11, when the Pharisees saw that, it was on the screen there. Listen, um, there are good reasons to separate ourselves from people in our lives. I mean, really, there, there are some people in your life that you probably need to separate yourself, separate yourself from. Like your drug dealer is probably not the person you're supposed to minister to. When you got away from that lifestyle, it's probably good that you leave that person out of your life. The person who could wreck your marriage is probably another person that you need to stay away from. A person who uses you to get what they want is probably another person that you don't need to spend time with. We all get that. There's, there's wisdom and understanding. Okay, Lord, who do I need to spend time with? Who's going to just pull me down? And who do I get to bring up? And Lord, give me wisdom to understand the difference. I love Proverbs 13, 20. Memorize it as a teenager. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Walk with wise people, but love people still living in darkness. Love people that still are lost. Jesus said it very clearly. I came to seek and save the lost. That's me. That's you. That's the people at Matthew's party. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Now, Jesus just kind of hits the nail on the head. Like, I didn't come for all you pre-convinced people. I'm here because there's still people who don't know the Lord. Yo, religious dudes, get on board with me. These people need real help and real hope. Not only have I come, uh, do I have time for them? They're the reason I came. I'm here because I love Matthew. I love his tax collector friends. If there's any prostitutes here in the room, I love them too. And I love you and all your secret sins and your struggles. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want, to sh I want you to show mercy because you've been shown mercy by God. Not offer sacrifices, for I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Come on, we should underline this in our Bible. Are we, are we somebody who thinks that we're righteous or do we know that we are sinners? How many know you're a sinner and you need a savior? How many is sitting next to somebody that you are certain is a sinner? <laughs> Three hands on that one, right? Man, let us be people who understand, God, I'm a sinner. It's so amazing that you love me. It's so amazing you see my worst impure thought. You know the selfishness inside my heart that I don't ever want to get out. You know the worst thing I've ever said or done. And you love me and you forgive me. And when we realize the grace of God, it makes us want to follow God. The sinners at Matthew's party, you were created for more. Sinners in Lacey, Washington, God has more for you. Don't chase the things of this world. In order for you to have faith and your faith to be alive and real, you've got to take some chances. You've got to take some risks. You've got to get on the plane. You must be able to 
put your trust in God, put your life on the line for him. There's some gutsy, bold things that you're going to do that are essential to everyday life of someone who's really following Jesus. Listen, if your faith hasn't scared you this last month, you're probably not living it. Have courage. Take a risk. Live for Jesus. It's the Lord's desire that you reject the safe version of modern-day faith. Man, I... For, I just don't want to be that person who's idling on the runway. Yep, I'm a Christian. I'm even a pastor. I'm one of the super Christians. Here I am, parked on the runway with a jet engine running, going nowhere. Not scared, not challenged, not, not serving. I don't want that to be my story or yours. There's a portable bridge at every air, airport. It's placed against the aircraft door to allow passengers to embark or disembark. It's called the jetway. And when you walk down this jetway, you realize there's a point where I leave the airport, I walk down this portable bridge, and there is a point where I cross over from being in the jetway to being in the jet. People like me have to duck to get in like those, those moments, right? But there's something powerful. When I was a sophomore in high school, I looked around and I said, God, I got one foot on the jet of faith, and I've got one foot in the world and living for myself on the jetway. And, and if this plane were to leave, I'd be in trouble. And I looked around and I said, God, I, I just don't want to be halfway anymore. I want to be somebody who looks in the mirror and respects that they're actually trying, fully trying with their faith. And so I stepped off that jetway and fully onto the plane. And life has been so much more exciting ever since. Scary, adventurous, filled with faith, filled with ups and downs, but through the whole thing, God has been with me, beside me. There's a moment where you step off the jetway and onto the plane. In faith, you trust, you trust your life to the Lord. You don't just trust your finances. You trust your kids to God. You trust your soul to God. You trust your very purpose and reason for existence to God. You're better off trusting uh, your life to the Lord than anyone else, including yourself. And listen, God speaks. The Lord speaks. He calls Matthew. He calls James and John. And if you'll trust him, he'll speak to you and he'll call you. But he's a God you can't see. And you have to trust his voice. It's faith. Listen, you can't go anywhere if you don't get on the plane. And if you're going to actually live in faith, you're going to have to step out and trust the Lord, even when you cannot see him. It's a church that puts together a powerful video. They're like us. They love to share stories and incredible things that God has done. And uh, it's made the rounds a little bit online, but it's so powerful. They sent it directly to us so we could show it this weekend to our church. Um, trust God for even that which you cannot see. Watch this. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. And a pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here. And I fly a small airplane, and I can take you in my little airplane, and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it. you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it, and I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. 
and he started it up and it started up just fine well we taxied out I said should we pray he said yeah that's a good idea we normally don't I said well this time we're gonna <laughs> and I'm telling you I prayed five eight minutes I prayed a long time we went and got on the runway he starts down the runway the plane lifted off ever so gently and we start climbing and it's wonderful not a problem in the world we started climbing and we flew probably three four minutes and something happened that will never leave my mind the pilot turned to me and he said we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds they make me pass out I said clouds make you do what <laughs> now it's been cloudy all day and we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything and he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said come on you gotta wake up so I can kill you now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot and my friend in the back seat said we're dead aren't we I said there's a very good chance of that yes he said what are we gonna do I said I don't know but there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said start asking for help so he's in the back seat reaching up and he said hello hello we didn't know any proper radio etiquette all we were saying was hello and somebody answered back hello hello don't you guys know proper radio etiquette and I said give me I said tell, we don't know nothing tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane the guy said I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo and he said you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you I said tell him that's correct now you gotta understand I am sweating bullets he said the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore and he said I'm gonna get Anchorage emergency for you and Anchorage emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life after about five minutes Anchorage came on said we understand you have a passed out pilot and those of you do not know how to fly that plane we said that's right they said well the first thing we got to do is find you and I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said he said my job is to get you home safe he said that's my job but he said here's the deal if you want me to get you home safe you gotta promise me you'll obey my voice he said you can't see me but I can see you and he said if you're not gonna obey my voice you're gonna die when you can't see anything you have no idea how disorientated you become finally he said okay I found you now hear me clear he said you're four minutes from a mountain he said you're gonna crash in that mountain and die follow my voice I never said I have to follow your voice is that reasonable you see I understood without his voice I had nothing and do you understand without God's voice you have nothing nothing finally he got us turned and he said I'm freezing all the traffic in the area he said it's gonna take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage and there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage you're in for a rough ride and he said I want you to hear me I don't want you to look at what's going on outside I don't want you to pay attention to the storm just my voice he said if you start watching the storm you will die but I'll take you through it now because they cleared all the traffic several pilots those nighttime freighters those 747 started talking to us they said we're praying for you men you're gonna make it.
but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now, I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop. And the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, Thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room in about four in the morning knock at my door and I opened the door and a man was standing there he said hello David I said you're the voice you're the one who got me home he said I am do you understand one day you're gonna stand before him and say you were the voice you're the voice that brought me home if you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me. And I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Wow. God has a seat reserved for you on the plane of faith. If you don't get on board, not only do you suffer, but everybody who you're called to impact suffers as well. God has a mission for you. And if you don't live it, the life you're meant to live, you'll miss out on the purpose of why you were created. Can we bow our heads together? Listen, church, it's critical that you let your faith take flight. You can't idle on the runway. 
you got to get on that plane of faith, but then you got to let the Lord take you somewhere. And it's going to cost you. And it's going to require sacrifice. And there'll be answers to questions that you don't have. And there'll be storms around you. But you can trust God or you can trust yourself. You can live for God or you can live for the world. Today is a great day to say, Lord, I want my faith to take flight. I don't want to be afraid. If you'll lead me, if you'll guide me, I'll listen to your voice and you will bring me home. Lord, forgive me. Lead me. I don't want to idle on the runway. I want to fully serve you. I'm stepping off the jetway, fully onto the plane. Take me where you want me to go. If that's you, would you raise your hand really high? God, I want to fully take flight in you. Come on, anybody else? Tons of us. Anybody else? Awesome. You can put it down once you raise it. I'm going to ask a secondary question. Lord, I don't even know if you're real. And I'm not really good at trusting the voice of a God I cannot see. But God, if you're real, show yourself to me. Because I don't want to miss the point of my life, even with all my questions and doubt. If that's you, would you raise your hand really high? Because that's real. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. You can put it down. Jesus, today, Thanks for caring about sinners. Thanks for eating with us, for knowing the worst parts about us and loving us anyways. Lord, no one knows us like you know us. So God, if we are loved by you, if you have grace for me, then God, I want to live for you. Lord, let my faith take flight. Forgive me of my sins. Lead me into my future. And let me not settle for anything that's less than the plan you have for my life. God, give us courage to look at more than the storm around us, but to look at the future that you have for us. God, don't let us self-destruct and live for the world. Help us to live for what's right to have courage, to have faith, and someday, God, get home. God, today we honor you. Thank you for speaking to us. Lord, over the next six more weeks, I pray, God, your voice would be louder, clearer, and more powerful than it's ever been in our lives. Lord, we listen to you. We love you, and we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Aren't you glad you came to church today? There's probably somebody that you know that needs to watch that video, so send them to our website and watch that and encourage someone else. 
If you're not in a life group yet, you can sign up at the table under the TV in the lobby, and you can save a little bit of money if you want to sign up for the marriage conference today at the early bird price by the elevator as well, right? God bless you. Thanks for being in church.